0: Well, hello everybody. I'm really excited to be with you today and thank you for worshiping Jesus with us. I want you to grab your Bible and open it with me to the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 12. We're looking at two stories in that chapter. Um, most of us know and understand and some of you have personally experienced the, the difficulties that uh, this pandemic has created economically for our country and, and for the world. We've seen the stock market take a big, big, and and people's investments have diminished. Unemployment numbers are way up. In fact, unemployment in America has jumped from around 4% to almost 15%. About 20 million people have lost their jobs. And this is a really challenging time for people who are graduating college to find a job, and many of them are feeling a lot of anxiety. We've heard about uh, companies that have been around for years, some for many, many decades, declaring bankruptcy. J.C. Penney, Earth Fair, J.Crew, Neiman Marcus, Gold's Gym, and others are on the brink of bankruptcy. And and even though our economy is beginning to open up a little bit, businesses are starting to come back a little bit. It's a slow go, and it's going to take quite some time. and And some of them will never recover. Some jobs will be lost forever, and, and I share all that just to say that we've been reminded through this uh, COVID-19 pandemic and the shelter in place and all of that, we've been reminded of just how important jobs and businesses and income and the economy really is our health is important but so is uh, the economy and we've 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 always known that it's the reason we would go to college we want our kids to go to college because we know if you do you're more likely to have a more secure financial life it's the reason we've had you know we've we've worked hard in our careers and and we talk about the American dream so we've always understood these things are important and we've understood that money you know, that having more money at times means more privileges, more opportunities. It gives you influence and power. We, we understand all that. And so we, we for years we've had a saying that, you know, money speaks, money talks, gets things done. And it does. But I want you to know that the Bible, the Word of God says that money speaks in a way differently than our culture usually thinks about it. And the Bible says that money has a power that is different than what our cultural culture normally associates with money. And so in Mark chapter 12, we're going to look at that today. What the Bible tells us is that money says something about humanity. It says something about who we are as a people who I am as a man who you are as an individual there was a there was a man who was successful in life and and uh, he was he was wealthy but he was also stingy and none of people not a lot of people liked him he didn't have a lot of friends and didn't didn't feel very loved and so one day uh, he just felt the need to get some guidance, some encouragement. So he visited an older man who was, you know, successful and was an acquaintance. And he asked this older acquaintance why people didn't like him, why people didn't love him. And so this older man took this younger man to the window in his house and he said, Look out and tell me what you see. And he said, I see people. Then he took him to another room in the house and had him look in the mirror and ask, What do you see now? And he said, I see myself. And the older man said, The window. And the mirror are both made of glass, but one is covered with silver. And as soon as you put a little silver on something, you stop seeing others, and you only see yourself. See, the Bible says, the way you and I think about money, the way we feel about money, the way we handle money, the way we make decisions about money, says something about us, about who we truly are and it also says something about our culture as well and and how we view life and so Jesus said a lot about money and he had a lot of experiences during his ministry uh, talking with people about money and 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 there's two episodes two stories in Jesus life in Mark chapter 12 that deal with money, but the truth is they're not so much stories about money as they are stories about life. Okay, lessons about life and people and who we are and and what matters. And so the first episode is found in Mark chapter twelve, beginning at verse thirteen. So if you have your Bible, read with me verses thirteen to seventeen. The Bible says, "Then they sent out some of the Pharisees. These this would be the religious rulers of Judaism, if you will. Sent Pharisees and Herodians, to a religious group and a political group. Some of some of the members." Of those groups to Jesus, in order to trap him in a statement. So they were trying to get him to say something that would uh, cause a controversy, if you will, and diminish his popularity. And so in verse fourteen, they came and they said to him, "Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth." Is it lawful? So they're they're building him up, and then they said, "Now here's the question: Is it is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar?" Or not? Shall we pay, or shall we not pay? Now, the poll tax was an annual tax on each person that Jews had to pay to the Romans who had conquered them, and the Jewish people hated paying that tax. And, and And so, the trick is, if Jesus said, "Don't pay it," he would offend the Romans, the the government. If he said, "Do pay it," he would offend all the people listening to him, all the Jewish people there. And so, they thought they had Jesus in a, a quandary. And then the Bible says. Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy said to them why are you why are you testing me bring me a denarius a coin a days a coin equal to about a day's wage for the average person in Israel at that time bring a denarius to me to look at and so they brought him one and he, he said to them whose likeness whose image whose inscription is on this just like we have presidents images on our coins they had the Emperor's image on their coins and so they bring him this coin he asked who's on it and they said to him it's Caesar And he said to them render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's and they were amazed at his teaching and so he's saying that coin with Caesar's image on it is minted by the government so pay your taxes but also give to God what belongs to God and 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 the statement is more powerful than you might think on the surface Because the Bible in the book of Genesis tells us that when God created humanity, when he created men and women, that he created us in his image, Genesis 1 27, that you are made in the image of God. And just like the image of the emperor is stamped on those coins, God's image is stamped on you. And Jesus is saying, Give to the government, give to Caesar what belongs to him, but give to God what belongs to God, namely yourself. And in fact, in verse 17, when he said render or give back, that Greek word means to return, to restore, to give back. It's the idea that when you and I don't believe in Jesus Christ, When we don't live for Jesus Christ, don't love Jesus Christ, don't serve Jesus Christ, it's as though we are stealing from God what belongs to God, namely ourselves. That His image is stamped upon us. We are His. He created us. He loved us. He sent His Son to die for us. We belong to Him. And when we don't live for Him and don't serve Him and don't love Him, we are robbing God of what belongs to God, namely ourselves. And most of humanity is doing that. Some of you listening to me right now are doing that. And you need to give yourself back to God. And, and, and how you feel about money sometimes says something about that. Give yourself back. God there were two men one day who were talking about life and their priorities and what they wanted to accomplish one of them was an Older man very mature devout follower of Jesus Christ the other was a young man just starting out in life And he was ambitious and he had this dream of becoming rich and the older man asked him He said "What, what, what are you going to do with your life? And the younger man said I'm going to make my I'm going to to uh, I, I'm going to uh, learn this job. I'm going to learn everything I th- can about this company and this business. And then I'm going to go out and start my own company, start my own business. And the older man said, well, then what are you going to do? He said, well, once I start my business, I'm going to make my fortune. The older man said, well, and then what are you going to do? And he said, well, I suppose one day I'll retire and live on all my money. And the older man said, okay, well, then what will you do? And the younger man said, well, I guess eventually I'm going to die. And the older man said, well, and then what are you going to do? Because ultimately, the question comes down to not how much do you accumulate in life, how much success do you have in life, but have you given your life to Jesus Christ because you are in His image, you belong to Him. And, and let, me just, let me just answer a question that sometimes people ask in a critical way. Why do people who are devout followers of Jesus Christ give? Why do we tithe? Why are we generous? You know why? Why? Because we know we belong to God. And we're not resisting that. We're not fighting that. We've given ourselves to him. We understand we belong to him, and we have returned ourselves. We have restored ourselves. We have given ourselves to God. We know who we belong to, and we joyously give as an expression, as a tangible expression of the reality that all of me belongs to him. I've given myself fully, completely to him, and that includes everything that is in part of my life, including my. Money And so the first story when they're trying to trap Jesus by asking a question about taxes, the point he makes is, hey, you belong to God. Give yourself to God. Don't steal yourself from God. And once you give yourself to God, then everything comes with you when you give yourself to God. Now, the the second episode, the second story is at the end of uh, chapter 12. And some of you have heard this story. It's about a poor widow woman. But I want to make a couple of points from her story, maybe one that you haven't thought about. In verse 41 of chapter 12, the Bible says that Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. The, the temple in Jerusalem had several courtyards, and, and one of those courtyards was where was called the Court of Women. And so Jewish women and Jewish men could go into that courtyard. Gentiles could not. And uh, Jesus was sitting in that courtyard, and they had 13 depositories or receptacles, if you will, all around that, that courtyard where people could put in their offerings for the temple. And so Jesus is watching people do that. And it says at the end of verse 41, many rich people were putting in large sums. And then in verse 42, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. a cent. It was the smallest coin available in their culture, worth about a penny. Think of it in, in our day, about a penny. And so she puts in these two pennies. And uh, in verse 43, Jesus calls his disciples to himself, and he says to them, he, he's going to teach them. He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow, put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, their excess. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now, that's a well-known story. But I want to make a a couple of of points because this was a, a woman who had known hardship in life. I mean, it was hard for widows to support themselves financially unless... Uh, their deceased husband was wealthy or they had wealthy children who cared for them It was a hard life in that day and time She knew hardship and she also knew loss. I mean her husband had died. She 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 knew grief on a very personal level, but in this story this 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 widow listen She is so much more than generous She's so much more than generous She is sacrificial Because Jesus said, out of her poverty, she gave all that she owned. Now listen, generosity and sacrifice are not the same thing. They're both positive, they are both good, and our world needs more of both of those, generosity and sacrifice, but they're not equal, they're not the same. Recently in the news was the story about Mark Zuckerberg and his wife giving $100,000 one hundred thousand dollars to each of eight different restaurants, their favorite restaurants in the San Francisco Bay Area. So they donated eight hundred thousand dollars, and 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 listen, I think they are to be commended for that. I think that act of generosity should be celebrated, and in no way am I being critical, and I don't think anybody should think. God, that there are people who are willing to make large donations to be generous because listen it's going to help those eight restaurants stay in business and that means that those employees are going to continue having jobs that's a generous commendable good thing to do but it was not sacrificial and you say Steve what do you mean well Mark Zuckerberg is worth 76 billion dollars and so, for him to give that $800,000 would be the equivalent of the average American family on the median income level to give $1 to those eight restaurants. 800000 for him equals $1 for the average American. So, yes, it's generous and it should be celebrated, but it's not sacrificial. This widow was very sacrificial in her giving, but she... She did that out of the, the reality that she had given her life to God because at the end of it, Jesus said, She, listen, she gave all that she had to live on. And the word in the original translation, the original language of the scripture, the word live there is the word. We get our word biology, the study of life from it. And so she is figuratively giving her life to Jesus. Remember the coin whose image is on it? And Jesus said, render, give back, restore to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And render, give back, restore to God what belongs to God. You restore yourself to God because you are created in his image. This widow woman literally gave her life. She had restored to God herself. Her trust was in him. And she wasn't looking to the accumulation of things to bring her peace and comfort. We know that money makes life easier, and it could have made her life easier. But the most important thing to her was to give herself to God. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you giving your life to? What are you you hoping will bring you peace and healing and life What are you, so to speak, hanging your hat on when it comes to to Jesus Christ? What are you hanging your hat on when it comes to eternity, to beyond this life, to beyond the death, beyond death, beyond the grave? Give yourself to God. And give him everything that is a part of your life but her story also says something about the cultural of her day just like the way you and I think about money whether it's on a personal level whether it's on a state level a national political level the way we think about money if we're listen the truth is it's like looking in a mirror the way we think about it feel about it talk about it also says something about us and our culture just as it did their culture and you see that the reality is the Old Testament made clear that they were supposed to care for widows and the fact that she only had two pennies on which to live said something about their society's failure to care for her they had not met their obligations to care for the disadvantage two pennies is all she had to live on she had been ignored and 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 the the passage between the two stories this morning the story of of, of those trying to trap Jesus with a trick question, should we pay the poll tax or not? And here's this generous widow woman who had given everything, given herself to God and had been sacrificial, not just generous but sacrificial. In between Jesus talks about how their culture, the religious culture, the political culture took advantage and found ways, took advantage of widows and, and found ways to ignore those in need and Jesus condemned it. And here's an example of the culture's failure. And I dare say that you and I need to be careful because sometimes we fail in the same way to understand that we have an obligation individually and collectively to care for people who have needs in their life. Jesus talked about them devouring the widow's houses, and we don't want to do that. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Let me say two things real quickly as I wrap this up. Number one, give yourself fully to Jesus. Return yourself to Jesus. Give yourself back to God, the one that created you, whose image is stamped upon you. Give yourself fully, completely to him. Return yourself to Jesus. And then secondly, wouldn't this world, wouldn't our nation, wouldn't our communities be so much better if all of us simply learned to practice generosity? If we just started being generous, give ourselves to God and then be generous. Because when we are generous, it says something about who we are. And when we are not generous, it says something about who we are. How we think, how we feel, how we make decisions about money speaks to who we truly are. So let's learn to be generous. Henry, Henry Crow was a man born just before the Civil War. His father passed away when he was nine years old. And the day after his father's funeral, he went to visit the pastor who had conducted the funeral. And as they were talking, they got into the scripture, and uh, Henry Crow became a believer. He's a nine-year-old boy, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. When he was 26 years old, he was kind of an entrepreneur, and he he bought a meal that ground uh, oats, if you will. And that meal was called Quaker Mill. And so he named his, co- his company that he founded Quaker Oats Company. I mean, how many, of you, how many of you have eaten Quaker Oats oatmeal, used it in making cookies and all of that? So he founded that, that company, Quaker Oats Company. And he was the first one, uh, because at, at that time they sold oats in large barrels, and he was the first one to package it in, in smaller, attractive boxes or packages that people could buy as an individual or as a family. And he made a fortune. But here's the, here's the thing I want you to hear. For the last 40 years of his life, now he's a believer, he's a follower of Jesus Christ, okay? He'd given himself back to God, but he also learned about generosity. The last, listen to this, the last 40 years of his life, Henry Crowell, the founder of Quaker Oats Company, gave anywhere between 60 and 70% of his annual income. To charity supporting the work of God and other causes 60 to 70 percent he gave to charity the last 40 years of his life every year of those 40 years how much better would your life be how much better would your family's life be how much better would our communities and our nation and this world be if all of us gave ourselves back to the God who created us back to the God in whose image we were made committed ourselves to Him through Jesus Christ. And how much better would every place and everything be if each of us learned to be generous? And how much better would it be if all of us who follow Jesus, follow Jesus, if just us, if just us who follow Jesus, learn to practice generosity? You see, Jesus makes it clear how we feel about money, what we think about money, what we say about money, how we act, what we do with money. says a whole lot about who we are now what is God saying to your heart today is God calling on you to stop being stingy and become generous is God asking you to stop making excuses so you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror and see what's really there is God asking you to give yourself back to him he created you you're in his image but you've stolen yourself from him You don't believe, you don't love, you don't serve, you don't follow. Is God speaking to you about giving yourself back to him? And is there a prompting in your heart and in your mind and in your soul to do that? then right now there in your living room or kitchen on your screen porch, in your car, in your office as you listen to me, I want you to bow your head and humble yourself before your Creator, before Almighty God, and give yourself back to Him. Commit yourself to God through Jesus Christ and begin following Him, loving Him, serving Him, and living for Him. And then I want you to let me know about it. I want you to text the word Jesus to the number that is on your screen so one of our pastors can reach out To you now remember when Jesus was in the temple he was in the courtyard watching people put their money in the treasure he was sitting there and he was watching and I just want to remind you Jesus is still watching he watches me and he watches you he sees me he sees you he knows what's in my heart he knows what's in my bank account he knows what my life is he knows my thoughts He knows my priorities. He knows my decision-making, and he knows yours. And so surrender yourself. Give yourself back, and then text the word Jesus to that number on the screen, and let me know about it so one of our pastors can help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. We want to follow up with you. Give yourself back to Jesus. Be generous, and your life will be so much richer. God bless you. Thank you for watching. Now stay tuned for this final word and then a final song of worship
1: wow what a powerful message from our pastor this morning two things that i want to bring to your attention uh here as we close out first of all uh tonight and we want you to be praying with us our graduates are going to be recognized tonight normally we would have had our graduate recognition service in our sanctuary this morning uh, but we're going to do that tonight with the graduates and their families and our plan is to live stream that so if you want to be able to join online and watch go to the website and uh, you'll be able to pick up that live stream and participate with our graduates as we celebrate their accomplishment uh, closing out this year. Looking forward to it. Next week, we mentioned this at the top, June 7th, we will be together, have that opportunity for live worship. 9 o'clock and 11, great hymns of the faith in the 9 o'clock hour, tremendous contemporary, uh, more modern music in the second uh, service. Our middle school and high school have a special opportunity planned for them in that 11 o'clock time slot. So if you have kids in that area of ministry, you want to come at 11 o'clock. But here's what we're prepared for. We want you to know, go to the website. You'll see all the details about what we have planned for you to maintain all the protocols we're being asked to, to maintain. We have the sanctuary set up perfectly for physical distancing. able to sit with your family be able to engage and participate fully in worship, and yet be able to manage your own personal space and maintain the safety that, that we need to, to continue to manage through this process. We are looking forward to you being with us. For those of you that don't choose to because you're not quite ready yet or, or maybe you have some issues that need you need to stay home, we want you to be assured that we will continue to provide you worship services just like we are today online that you can log into each Sunday morning as we continue to work through the details of of what we're having to do with this pandemic. So thank you for being with us this morning. Looking forward to seeing you next week. And as we close, we want you to go ahead and stand up and join us as we worship through this next song.